Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to uh, Church in the Valley. We are really glad that you are here to uh, worship with us this morning. Could you raise your hand if today you have eaten a Krispy Kreme donut? Okay. Where did you get those? They are outside. So if you did not raise your hand as soon as we are done, and even now if you slip out and I can't see you, we have Krispy Kreme donuts waiting for your consumption. The challenge is, can you have only one? Okay. Uh, We have donuts today, not just to have donuts, but to kind of celebrate the launch of a new series that we're starting today called Suburban Myths. And this is the type of series that uh, is kind of big picture looking at uh, what the meaning of life is. And week to week, that's not usually a question I necessarily am asking myself, but a lot of the questions that are under that umbrella, I do ask a lot of questions about what's the point, which is what we're going to be talking about today. A lot of things that I'm trying to kind of figure out of why, why am I doing what I'm doing and is that making a difference and what should I be spending my time doing? and What should I not be spending my time doing? And all these things that kind of are in the back of our heads, we tend to play on autoplay without necessarily realizing that those questions are going on within our mind. And so we're going to actually look at some of those questions and take a look at uh, the Old Testament uh, at a man named Solomon, who was the third king of Israel. And as the third king, uh, he was given some resources and given some opportunity that no one before him and really no one after uh, him received. And so he went on a quest for what meaning and purpose was. He went on a quest for trying to figure out why we are here and what difference does being here make and all sorts of really interesting questions, lots of interesting things. And so uh, we're going to be following his story uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes. And if you've never read the book of Ecclesiastes, we're going to be spending uh, seven weeks together uh, unpacking that book. And the thing about Ecclesiastes, it's part of wisdom literature, uh, which is different than a lot of other types of scriptures that you may read. And we're actually going to read a lot of wisdom that also can be somewhat depressing. Uh, The way the wisdom literature is, it's actually read differently than maybe history or prophecy uh, or uh, personal biographical accounts or letters to other churches that you may find in the New Testament. Uh, When you read the the wisdom literature, there's a lot of uh, nuances. There's a lot of double meaning. Now, it's still a truth, but it's within the context of the conclusions that are, are brought out. And so you, you feel like a lot of reactions and you hear a lot of things going on. And the book of Ecclesiastes is actually like opening up somebody's journal as they have just written all that they're feeling and all that they're going through. And when I was younger, I had uh, two older sisters. I'm a younger brother. And they journaled. And one of like the highlights of my life was to try to figure out where they hid the key that unlocked the padlock to their journal. I'm a sick man. But it's true. I kind of want to know, like, what are they writing about? And so it was always this thing that I would tease my sisters like, I found it. And they knew what that meant. And, you know, I don't think I ever found the key. I don't think I ever read it. And I, I really didn't want to. But there was a part of me that, that kind of did. And the same is true for us. There's a part where we, we hear people's raw emotions, when we hear people's reactions in music and in media and different things. There's a part of it where it really speaks to us. 
And some of the time you hear what people are going through and it kind of hits you upside your head. And you're like, whoa, that, that is so raw. And we live in a time and place like where raw is real, like we really value raw. Man, that's so real. So raw. Their heart was just opened. Some of the time in the rawness and in the things that people are emoting about and describing, you, you have to kind of take a step back and ask questions like, well, what does that mean? And is that true? And what happens when you draw those conclusions? What path does that lead you down? All sorts of things that you have to actually step outside the current rawness and draw some conclusions. So we're going to be doing that through this book of Ecclesiastes. And so we're going to have ups and we're going to have downs and we're going to get to do it together. And if that doesn't sound exciting for you, did I mention we have Krispy Kreme donuts? That, that's just product placement right there. If you're depressed, you go outside and you pound them. Okay? But we are really glad that you're here. I want to give a little bit of background uh, to Solomon since he's going to be kind of the main character of who we're going to be talking about the, the next few weeks. Uh, like I said, he was the third king of Israel. His dad was David. David was considered the greatest king that really ever existed. And he had great power. And he was described, David, his father, as a man after God's own heart. Uh, he messed up. But in the end, he really did have a heart that he, he wanted to serve God, love God, and live for him. And so Solomon took over, and those were not no easy shoes to fill. Uh, he had to set up some things in the kingdom and get some things settled so he can begin his reign. And then God himself appeared to him in a dream and asked him a question that I think all of us in history would love God to ask us. And he says to Solomon, ask what I shall give you. Ask what I shall give you. What is it that you want? Now, when Solomon took over as king, he was about 20 years old. Now, some of us are further from 20. Some of us are right around 20. Some of us are not yet 20. But I want you to either think back, think of where you are, or think ahead. And if you're 20 or approaching 20 or you remember your 20s, what were some things that you would have asked for if God said, ask and I will give it to you? Now, it kind of sounds genie-like, right? So you always ask, I want unlimited wishes, right? That's the one you always ask. But what would some things be? Happiness or power, success, or maybe that one car that you want, or maybe that one person that you've admired your whole life. I mean, it's your 20s, you know. But Solomon did something that's unusual for a 20-year-old. And he basically told God, I would like an understanding mind to discern between good and evil and govern the nations of Israel, God's people. Did I say he was 20? That doesn't even make sense. He's basically, I'd like wisdom. I'd like to know how life works. I'd like to know how to lead. I'd like to know how to build this country. And so he made this really unusual request that pleased God. And with it, it actually had some bonuses. And you find the story of Solomon in 1 Kings 3. And anytime you read a scripture that begins with, it pleased the Lord, that's a good thing if that's you. It says it angered the Lord. It's not good. But he asked us, he said, I'd, I'd like wisdom. I'd like to know how life works. I'd like to know how to lead. And this is what God said. He said, it pleased the Lord 
that Solomon had asked this. So he, he, was, he was pleased. And God said to him, because you have asked this and not, have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked. So at this point, if you're Solomon, you're like, when God says, I will give you what you have not asked, you're hoping, why? He's pleased with me. He is pleased with me. Let it flow. Let it flow. Let it flow. This is what he says. Both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. At that point, Solomon was like, thank you, I asked the right thing. I got a bonus. I asked for wisdom, and I'm getting to be rich and famous. I don't know if he did the, but I would have. It's amazing. God said, since you've asked, and you've asked something that actually is right to ask, you've asked for wisdom and discernment, the ability to know the difference between right and wrong. He says, no other person will be able to compare to what I will give to you or before you or, or after you. So this is this, this man that we find in Solomon that now has resources that no other person has or has ever had since him. What's important to know in that is that Solomon had a wisdom given by God. He had resources to really explore how life works. So he had resources to really draw conclusions that no one has ever really been able to make. So in all intents and purposes, Solomon was the man. Right? We think like he's the man, you're the man, but Solomon like in his time and really compared to everyone else, Solomon was the man. He had God on his side and he had the resources that God provided. So as things stacked up, he was looking pretty good. But like most of us and like most biblical characters, he didn't stay on the path that God had for him. He didn't give his whole undivided heart to him. In fact, Solomon really gave half of his heart to God and half of it for himself. What you find is, is from there, despite what God had given him, despite the clarity he provided, despite the resources, you begin to see that things actually went south. And during his reign, he turned away from the Lord to pursue meaning. He's trying to figure out, okay, I've got all these resources and you've given me wisdom that there's some things that happen that cause them to try to figure it out on, him, on his own. And you find this in 1 Kings 11. So fast forward. He'd been blessed. He had asked God the right way. But then some things happened. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods. Okay, multiple wives. He had a lot of wives, a lot of women in his life. And it says they turned his heart away from other gods and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God. So he was half heart. Not his whole heart, his half heart, as was the heart of David, his father. So his, his father, David, his whole heart belonged to God. But Solomon turned and he gave God half, but not all of it. 
For Solomon went after Ashbareth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not wholly follow the Lord as David his father had done. So Solomon was the man. But when things began to stack up after he turned away from following God, you begin to see that it wasn't the resources that he had or it wasn't even the wisdom that he had. It was really how much did God have of his heart. That was the measure of what was good. That was the measure of the kind of life that was pleasing to the Lord. How much of his heart did God have? His father David gave it all to God and he gave half. And that is the point that we're going to be reading the book of Ecclesiastes. This book is raw because what you find is you find these experiences that he has after he had decided to turn away from the Lord God. After he decided to not wholly give himself to him and kind of follow the religions and the ways of his wives you begin to see that he's now trying to figure how all this works. He's trying to figure out how does this all flow? How do I use the wisdom that I've been given to make sense out of this? And it's really some interesting things and questions that he asks. So again, in the light of this wisdom literature, in the book of Ecclesiastes, you're going to see a lot of just emoting, a lot of conclusions, a lot of questions. And from it, we can actually learn a lot about the human condition. Because, frankly, there are things that we deal with as well. And so the book of Ecclesiastes is a great description of the human existence that, that we all face. How do we make sense out of it? And in that, what kind of questions do we need to ask to make sense out of this life? Now, you may not wake up every day and ask, Why am I here? What's the meaning of it all? But in the grand scheme of things, again, these are the things that are kind of playing in the background. And so I just want to review quickly some of the questions that we're going to be asking throughout this series. This will let you know uh, where we're headed. Today, the question is the big question, which is, what, what's the point? What, what's the point of it all? And so as you're reading, again, this book of Ecclesiastes, that's kind of the question that's being asked throughout all the weeks that we're going to be talking about. What, what's the point? So we're going to be looking at questions that you'll see there on the screen. Um, will, will knowledge provide happiness? Will the pursuit of power and money help me? Could you scroll up that, that screen for me? Uh, the other way? Thanks. Uh, is there an answer to every equation? Will doing exactly what I want make me happy? How important is my work. Okay, I wake up every day, my alarm goes off, and I decide I need to get up. How important is it to answer my alarm? Have you ever thought that question? I know I have. How important is my work? Will money and power bring the life that I want? Can religion give my life meaning? The meaning that, that I crave? And all these questions that I ask, is, is there reality to these myths? To these questions, are there conclusions? Or is this just open-ended? Can these things be known? Or is everyone just out to try to figure it out? 
And there's a sense of which we all don't really know. And so throughout this, this series, we're going to be looking at these myths. And if you look at the front of your program, you'll see the image for this series is like the front of a house. that's like a facade, but behind it, there's, there's nothing. And that's kind of what these myths are. There's a structure and there's some assumptions that we have. And we're going to be looking at, well, what's behind those assumptions? What happens when we ask the questions and draw the conclusions? And so you're going to be going on this, this journey. We're going to be going on this journey together. And so a lot of what happened in Solomon's life really flowed out of a disappointment that he experienced. Disappointment, And what you find is disappointment motivates us to pursue meaning and hope. And I, I agree with that. There's a sense in which as I've been disappointed in my own life, as things have not gone exactly like I had thought, whether according to my time frame or according to my goals, or according to what I wanted to experience or not experience, when disappointment comes, that's usually the time that we ask, ask certain questions. The whys. Why is this happening? Why does this matter? What is going on? These are the questions that we're asking. And so disappointment should motivate us to find what this is all about. And as we go on this journey with Solomon, while he asks a lot of questions and makes a lot of statements, ultimately he does draw a conclusion, and we're going to look at that. But it's the same process we all need to make. As life has maybe disillusioned us somewhat or kind of tainted just our view of humanity and what's really important and what's not, and depending on your outlook of life, depending on your experiences, the questions you have have to lead you to what, a pursuit. What, what, is, what is it all about? And so I want to dig into Ecclesiastes 1, and we're just going to unpack some of the disappointment and some of the things that, that Solomon had experienced on his journey to find out Meaning. Now, again, this journey was really a journey where he was not following after God. And so let, let's dig in. Ecclesiastes 1, verse 1 says, The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, Vanity of vanity, all is vanity. Five times he used that word. It's like meaningless. You ever just skimmed a book to see if you'd like to take it home and like, maybe do I want to check it out from the library? Do I want to download it from Kindle? Do I want to buy it off of Amazon? And you kind of can read the first chapter for free. And as you read that first chapter, you kind of know, yeah, I'm into it or not. Well, have you ever read a book that starts out like, life stinks. It stinks really bad. It stinks worse than anything you've ever experienced. Life stinks. Did I mention it stinks? Did you download that book? Depends what your goal is. Depression, you are one click that, okay? You want that right now, but if you're wanting kind of a positive outlook on life, the book of Ecclesiastes kind of hits you. It starts with a downer. Meaningless. It's like a breath. It's a vapor. It's just here. Life's meaningless. It's here. It's gone. Why don't you come on the journey with me? Solomon saying. It's meaningless, and let me tell you more about it. You ever met that kind of person where you ask, how you doing? And then right when you ask it, you're like, oh man, I shouldn't have asked that. Because let's face it, most of the time we're like, how are you doing? We want people to say good, and then you say good. That's kind of the rule. But if people actually tell you how you're doing, it's like against cultural norms. 
If you say not good, then you're like, well, that's great. Oh, my goodness. They didn't say good. Oh, my goodness. They didn't say good. Do I ask them? And then you say, oh, I'm sorry. Right. That's like our normal kind of response. How you doing? Well, not that great. And then you just have that, that point in which do I stop and ask because I care? Do I keep on going because I don't? That's how we are. When we ask, we don't really want to know. And Solomon's saying, if you're opening the book, you're going to find out. You're going to find out how I'm doing. And he goes on. And he says, what does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? All the work we do, whether it's at work or all the work we do in the relationships or all the work we do, whatever we find our hands to do, like, is it worth it? All the toil. Does it matter? Does it make a difference? So he's asking. It's kind of towards the end of his life. And he's looking back and saying, what, what's really mattered? I've had all sorts of resources. I'm more powerful than anyone. I have hookups that no one has. I've got people that no one has. And what do I have to show for it? You guys are just excited. This is like so depressing, right? Let's go on. Verse 4, a generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. So it's like, life stinks, then you die. See the smile? It's my crispy cream in the moment right here. Adding a little sweetness. It's depressing. Then he goes on. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. So he's, just, he's kind of observing life in the days. Each day it comes and then it goes. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. The days keep going and everything is predictable. It's doing exactly what it did yesterday. And it's going to do what it's going to do tomorrow. I mentioned life stinks and then you die. So you just observe it. Then he goes on. Life is stale. Nothing's new. Verse 8. All things are full of weariness. Like life is going to wear you out. Like you're not dead yet, but you're on your way to dying. It's going to wear you out. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. So it's like even your experiences, and he's talking really about himself, he's saying, all that I've experienced, all that I've been able to see, all that I've been able to hear, everything that I've been able to consume in my life, when it comes down to it, it's worn me out. Now you begin to see a little bit of his, his heart. He's, he's, he's letting us in. Here, here's my heart. This is just what I've experienced. All that I've given myself to in my pursuit of pleasure, of meaning, of purpose, Trying to do my life my own way with all the resources I've got. He's saying, I'm, I'm just, I'm worn out. Life has worn me out. What has been is what will be. And what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Okay, in a time and place today where we think 
our experiences are special. We think we're special. Or what we thought is special. Or what we've done is special. Solomon is saying, you ain't special. Because remember, life stinks. You're going to die. And on your way to dying, you're going to be worn out. There's nothing new. There's nothing you can say, Solomon's saying. There's nothing you could say that I haven't said. There's nothing that you've done that I haven't done. Remember, I'm Solomon. I have all the resources of the world at my disposal. There's nothing new. There's nothing new. Then he explains that more. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new. So he's saying like, okay, some of you are going to say, no, Solomon, this is new. And then he goes on. It has already it has been already in the ages before us. I don't know. I'm like Solomon, the Internet. But even that, you don't think Solomon could get any information he'd want? He didn't have Google. He had people. He didn't need Google. I want information. You find it. In fact, bring the smartest people in the whole world and bring them right here. I don't even want to type anything in. I want to say, here's my question. He has just people. Experts in every area that you'd ever want to know. So even that, there is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. After all the toil, after all the turmoil, after all the work, after all the questions, after all the assumptions, it's like you never existed. Okay, so just in case you haven't caught up with it, life stinks. You're going to die. You're weary on your way to death. After you die, it's like you never lived. Is that like one of the most depressing things you've ever heard? I mean, it is. Now, why would I spend a majority of a message talking about something so raw that highlights the meaningless of life? Because you came to church, right? You want something uplifting, probably. If you wanted something depressing, you turn on the TV, you read the newspaper, but you came to church. Here's the reality. Solomon is making some assumptions. And we too make assumptions. And what he's saying is, I have lived life to the fullest. Everyone talks about that. That's their goal in life. I want to be happy. I want to do my part. I want to make a difference. I want to build something. I want to accomplish something. I want my life to count All of us want that. And what Solomon is saying is if that is your one goal in your life to make your life count and you have all the resources to do it and you have the intelligence to do it and you have the strength to do it by yourself, you still will not do it. Even if you do it, you still have not done it. That's what he's saying. It's it's meaningless. You spend your whole life building something and once it's built, you realize that's not what you thought it would be. 
And then you spend the rest of your life building something else and it's built and you realize that's not what you thought it would be. Meaningless, meaningless, all is meaningless. It's vanity. What Solomon is wanting us to come to grips with is be careful what you wish for. And the only way we can actually know what we are hoping for our life is to ask the same question. What's the point? When you think of your life and what you're building with your hands and what you're doing with your mind and what you're using your resources for, what's the point? What is your hope for your life? At the end of your life, like Solomon was reflecting at the end of his, what do you hope to say? What do you hope to experience? What do you hope to done. And Solomon is saying, I had everything that every person has ever wanted. And I realized that it wasn't enough. So here's the hope. Here it is. Despite all that, what Solomon is leading to is he wants us to get so a clear picture of humanity left to itself, that we get to the point where we want to ask, then what do I do? If that is true, and again, Solomon had all the resources to know if it's true. Is there something else? I want to show you a, a clip from the movie The Pursuit of Happiness. Now, you read the book of Ecclesiastes, and then you watch the movie The Pursuit of Happiness, that's kind of like a double depression dose right there. Because this movie's actually, it's kind of depressing. It stars Will Smith, and it's really about his pursuit to find happiness and to find meaning in his life. And so we're going to pick up a clip uh, where you kind of see the, begin, the things are beginning to, to unravel. And then I'm going to talk a little bit before we close. Hey. Yeah, sorry, sorry I couldn't make it home on time. Chris, uh, I missed my ship. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry about that. Look, um, I'm on my way right now. Are you, are you all right with, with Christopher? I'm leaving. Chris, I'm leaving. What? Did you hear what I said? I have my things together. And I'm taking our son. And we're going to leave now. I'm going to put the phone down. Linda, I'm going wait to a leave. minute. Hold we on. are leaving. It was right then that I started thinking Wait. about Thomas Jefferson and the Declaration of Independence and the part about our right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I remember thinking, how did he know to put the pursuit part in there? That maybe happiness is something that we can only pursue and maybe we can actually never have it no matter what. How did he know that? Linda! Linda!
when he starts quoting the, the Thomas Jefferson clip, that's where you see he, he, he's after this pursuit. But his pursuit wasn't his goal. The goal was the happiness, not the pursuit. He's saying, well, what if the happiness can't be achieved and it really is just about the pursuit? That's his way of saying, well, then it's, it's, it's meaningless. What we're going to be doing spending the rest of the weeks on this book is looking at if, if this earth and our time on earth is all that we have and all that we're living for, it is actually meaningless. But if we're tethered to the God who made us, who exists out of this world, He is the one that pumps from His kingdom the meaning that we long for. And it's something that we're going to have to wrestle with. What are the assumptions that we have? What are the questions that we have? What are we trying to, to build with our life? And if you actually build it, you have to actually ask the questions and then you have to draw the conclusions. Based on my assumptions, what will happen if I play those out? If I just want to be happy, and that is my one pursuit in life, what happens as I get to the end and I'm happy? What then? If success is my pursuit and I experience success and I get to the end and I've lived a successful life, what then? If love is my one pursuit and I find the person I can spend the rest of my life with, but at the end of our life, that's it. What then? These are the kinds of questions Solomon is saying we all have to ask. Because if we're just focused on the here and now, based on the experiences that Solomon is saying, there's nothing new. There's nothing that actually you can hold in your hands. It's like sand that just falls through. So I want to encourage you to think through the assumptions you have about the life that you're building and take those to their conclusion. What kind of life then have you built? And once it's built, what then? I want to encourage you as, you, as you wrestle with that, and we all need to wrestle with that, to attend the rest of the series. And there's some next steps on your connection card. As soon as I'm done, you can turn your connection card in there. But I encourage you, there's a couple things you can do is to ask the question I just asked. You may want to learn more about Solomon's life. And I encourage all, all of you to attend the rest of the series. There may still be some depressing points. Because when you read through the book of Ecclesiastes, it keeps coming out. But we're going to keep pointing to the conclusion, the ultimate conclusion that Solomon reaches. And in that, there is hope. So I hope you can, can join us for the rest of that. I'm going to pray, and then the band is going to lead us through another song, and then we're going to receive the offering. As the offering comes by, you may want to drop your team up uh, flyer, your interest flyer in there, um, if you filled that out, your connection card. And uh, we really, as a church, want to help you uh, get to know us. We want to help you uh, connect with us. And so if there's anything you need, if you have a prayer request, you can also write that on the connection card and we would love to pray for you this week. In fact, let's pray right now as we continue in our singing. God, thank you for the book of Solomon or the book of Ecclesiastes that Solomon wrote where 
we actually have a picture of this pursuit that we all are on, this just kind of idea to make sense out of it all. And I, I thank you, God, that you didn't leave uh, Solomon by himself and you didn't forsake him. And I, I thank you that you don't forsake us. And even the questions that we ask and the assumptions that we have and the conclusions that we draw, you, God, want to be in the mix of all that. And I pray if there's anything uh, that's holding us back from pursuing you and getting to know you, God, will you show us that and allow us to see the conclusions that that would lead us to. So God, give us uh, eyes to know uh, really how our thoughts and how our actions and how our perspective actually impacts our life. And so we, we need your wisdom to do that. We ask your help. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen.